All right, well, let's turn our Bibles to Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 to 12. If you need a copy of God's Word, just get the attention of one of the ushers, and they will be certain to get one into your hands. Malachi chapter 3, you'll find it, uh, oh, maybe about 60% of the way through your Bible, just before the start of the New Testament of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want to talk about tithing this morning per the title of the message. And more specifically, I want to talk about common objections to tithing. And I want to just say from the top, bless you for being here. It's quite possible that you saw the e-bulletin and that you saw the topic and, and maybe you felt conviction and maybe you felt challenged by that, but you still showed up. Bless you. In so many ways, because of that, I'm preaching to the choir. I also trust that many of you are still watching online. Thank you. Bless you for that. I trust that the Lord will work. Whether you said, man, I'm not going to go because I don't want the conviction of it all, or whether you have to be at home because of illness or something, I, uh, I trust that the Lord will use this in all of our lives. But before we get to tithing, I... I think that you might be wondering why preach on tithing when our giving is so good. That's where I want to start this morning. I mean, we ended the year almost $600,000 over budget, 15%. Praise God. Yeah. I mean, praise the Lord for that, and God bless you for that. It's a testimony to your faithfulness and to your consistency and to your generosity. Bless you for that. And it enables us to think ahead all the more as elders, staff. It spurs us on uh, with, to step out in faith all the more. It, 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 it pushes us to ask the Lord in prayer what more he might require of us. We've, we've been doing that already. What might you require of us, Lord? And plus, we're off to a great start this year. So why preach on tithing, Pastor? Come on. Well, first of all, it's been a while. I have six quick reasons here for you. It's been a while. The last time I preached in giving, on giving in general was a year and a half ago, and the last time I preached on tithing specifically was five and a half years ago. I wouldn't have thought it was that long. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> five and a half years, which means tithing begs for some attention. Second, it helps us Fight the love of money. Preaching on tithing helps us fight the love of money that every single one of us fights in our hearts and souls, no matter how much we make or how little we make. You know it as well as I. If we're not careful, money is like a drug, isn't it? I mean, we have to have it, and we can't get enough. And the more we get, the more we want. And so pretty soon, it becomes an idol that governs every single decision and it consumes every single thought. Am I right? Am I right? The love of money is like a drug. And preaching on tithing helps us to fight that. Fight the good fight. Third, preaching on tithing guards us against legalism. It guards us against legalism for those who do tithe. This is a real risk. It guards against that subconscious thought that because I tithe, I'm good. Because I tithe, I'm good. In which case, we end up honoring God with our money when our heart is far from him. 
A kind of a, a play on what Isaiah talked about that and people of old, and even Jesus capitalized on, people of old uh, honored God with their lips when their hearts were far from him. Just a variation on the theme, this risk for those who do tithe. Fourth, I'm preaching on tithing when our giving is so good because many still don't. Many in our church still don't tithe. 20% of the households in our church, one out of five, give nothing in the course of a year. 20%. Another 35% give less than $1,500, which might be a tithe for a student or a part-time employee, but it's obviously not for most. Even some who give five or $10,000 a year probably aren't tithing. So I'm preaching on it because while our giving is so good, many still don't. Fifth, the benefits are too good to miss. Hear me on this. This is my heart. In, in, in addition to these other reasons, the benefits are too good to miss. The benefits of having your needs met, your needs met, too good to miss. The benefit of God's protection in your life, too good to miss. The benefit of investing in eternal things, Eternal things, the stock price of which will continue to go up year after year after year into all eternity. It's one of the reasons that I went into ministry in the first place so that I can invest my whole life, not just my tithe, in something that will last. Tithing is a way to invest in something that lasts forever. It's a benefit. I don't want you to miss out on the benefit of putting God first in your life. Show me your checkbook, I'll show you your heart. First. I don't want you to miss the benefit of being all in because as Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Divide your treasure, divide your heart. It's true. I'm preaching on this because I don't want you to miss out on the thought of missing out on God's protection, we were on vacation this past summer. I, I wrestled with her to share this, it's not in my notes. We were on vacation this summer. We were driving in the midst of rainstorm after rainstorm, pouring down on us, darkness at night, we had endured a full day of driving. We had come upon accidents. We had to be rerouted. We had to be detoured. We detoured one time that we sat for two and a half hours in the countryside of Kentucky next to a horse farm and a, and a, a horse pasture. I'm like, what in the world? Finally, later on that night, as the rain is pouring down, I just blurted out, are we behind on our tithe? And Becky's like, are, are, you, are, are you crazy? I'm like, no, or, or, I, like, I feel like we've got an X on the top of our car and we're like a, a target for the Lord these days in addition to the fact that previous to that year in the first six months of 2023, almost every appliance in our house broke. Our washing machine, uh, our furnace, our hot water heater went out. I think we had trouble with our dishwasher. The list goes on and on. It was like, what in the world? And so here I am, I'm driving along. I have plenty of time to think, that's for sure. The horse pasture only held me for like 30 seconds. And, I, 
And, and so I just, are we behind on our tithe? And Becky's like, no, we're not behind on our tithe. And I'm pretty sure that God doesn't work that way anyway. Our hearts are right. And I thought to myself, maybe, maybe. We got home from vacation, and so I went back and I checked our finances. Lo and behold, we were behind in that first six months by $932. It's true, $930, not, be, not because it was a willful thing, but it was because of an oversight on my part at the beginning of the, of the year. $932. Listen, I don't know if that's why the Lord put us through high water and all of the rest. I don't know. But maybe... I don't think it was because he was punishing us. I think we live in a fallen world and things break for sure. But he very well could have done all of that as, at least for one of the reasons, to get our attention and to get my attention and to make sure that we were right. To make sure we were giving the way he wants us to give, to make sure that we were tithing. To make sure that we wouldn't miss out on the blessing of his protection that he promises, promises, if we tithe. I pray that our sandals, not just for our family, I pray that our sandals, like the Israelites of old, that their sandals wouldn't wear out in their 40 years of wandering through the desert. I pray that our sandals will not wear out in the course of our life. And I am convinced that the more we are obedient in our lives, tithing being one of many ways, I'm convinced that the Lord extends protection upon protection and grace upon grace. Sixth reason I'm preaching on this is I want our church to thrive. I want our church to thrive. I want our church to continue, continue to thrive. Doing more for Christ and his kingdom than we ever thought possible. More, literally more than we could ever ask or imagine. I have a pretty big imagination. But I want our church to thrive, and most of the time, that requires money. Mo not all the time, but often, it requires money. And so I'm preaching on tithing so that we have enough to do what the Lord wants to do more than we could ever imagine. That's why, six reasons, I'm preaching on tithing, even when our giving is so good. Bless you. For that. And the command is clear. Next thought here. The command is clear. Give 10% give of your income to the church. Give 10% of your income to the church. That's the crystal clear exhortation here in Malachi 3. 10% because that's what the word tithe means. A tenth. A tenth. And giving it to your local church is the idea of bringing it into the storehouse. God's house. As we find here, starting in verse 7, you follow along. God is speaking and he says, From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And God says, this rhetorical conversation, will man rob God? It's a rhetorical question to say, surely not. Surely not, man won't rob God. It's unthinkable. Yet you are robbing me, he says. But you say, how have we robbed you? And God replies, in your tithes and contributions. 
You are cursed with a curse that is subject to consequences, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Here it is. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. It's the benefit of protection. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts, the benefit of provision. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. I've preached on this passage many times, and you can find them on our website. And if this particular sermon leaves question marks in your minds, I would urge you to go to our website and find them. But today I want to focus on the command just in the first part of verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Give 10% of your income to the church, your, your local church, the place where you are fed spiritually. And just like the storehouse was part of the temple in Malachi's day, the place the Israelites of old were fed. It couldn't be clearer. Give 10% of your income to the church. But for all kinds of reasons, many don't. Many don't bring a tithe. Sometimes because they've never been taught the scriptures. Sometimes, I think most of the time, because they just don't want to. Many people, most people, I think, don't tithe because they just don't want to. Citing various objections to rationalize it away and, and make themselves feel better. Objections that usually betray a lack of trust in God or an unbelief in his word or bad financial decisions in their finances or an all-consuming lifestyle or maybe the grip of greed in their heart. Whatever the case, whatever the heart issue, I want to address a few of the more common objections. And if the shoe fits, I hope that you listen. Oh, I've prayed that you will listen. I hope that you listen and that you change your mind. You change your heart. Again, not just for our sake, but for your sake. Here's the first. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. You don't understand, Pastor. I can barely afford to pay my bills. I don't have the money to tithe. I've, I've actually heard people say that before, and I certainly can imagine it. It's probably the most common objection that people make, and most of the time it isn't true. They do have the money. Granted, after their mortgage and car loans and entertainment and clothing and phones and credit cards, there may be nothing less left, but that doesn't mean that they don't have the money. It just means that they've chosen to spend it on themselves instead of the Lord. You can't just choose a lifestyle that consumes all of your income and then say, oops, sorry, God, I can't afford to tithe. 
That's robbing him. Which means that you may need to downsize. Like you may need to drive a less expensive car. You may need to get another job. You may need to go out less or spend less. Basically figure out how to live on 90% of your income instead of 100%. Because apart from that, apart from changing your lifestyle and your priorities, you'll never be able to tithe. You'll never afford it. The more you make, the more you'll spend and You'll continue to live a life of difficulty wondering why, driving down the road in the middle of a rainstorm, wondering why everything breaks and nothing lasts and you can't get ahead in life. Don't go there. Like, don't live that way. Rationalize no more and and do whatever it takes to put God first. I urge you. That's the first objection. Here's the second. The church doesn't need it. The church doesn't need it. Dale has plenty of money. They don't need any more. <clears throat> and they certainly don't need mine. Which, which is both true and false. It is. It's, it's both true and false, this objection. True in that God can provide for our church apart from any of our tithes. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The whole earth is his, and his riches and glory are infinite. He doesn't need your money, my money, our money, any more than the ocean needs our sweat. Doesn't. It's true. But why would you miss out on the opportunity to join God in his work? That's that's one of the, the things of tithing. It's joining God in his work. Why would you miss out on the opportunity? Even though he doesn't need it, why would you miss out on the opportunity that he offers to participate in and actually be an integral part of it? Why would you miss out on the joy and the satisfaction and the confidence and the blessing of participating in his plan, his purpose, his kingdom? On the other hand, this objection is patently false that the church doesn't need it. Patently false, because God has not only promised and ordained the end, that he will build his church no matter what, but he's also ordained the means, the means to the end, which is our tithes. He could do it apart from us. He could accomplish the end, the building of his kingdom, without our tithes. But that's not how he has ordained it. That's not how he has designed it. He doesn't want to do it that way. He wants to offer us the opportunity to be a part of it. He wants us to come along with. He wants to bring us along with. That's the straightforward implication of verse 10. Look at it there again. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Here it is. That there may be food in my house. In other words, that the church may be provided for, that the church may be supplied, that the church may be sustained, able to adequately disciple the saints, able to adequately feed the saints, able to adequately put a feast on the table every single time we come together and then some. Tithing is the means God has ordained to build and provide for his church, the means to meet 
our needs. So the objection is false. We do need it. It's God's design. To which you might be thinking, yeah, okay, I get, I get it, I get it, but, but how much do we really need? I mean, come on, Pastor, you said that we were $600,000 over budget last year, 15%. True, true. But that budget was our budget. The budget that we set as elders as best that we possibly could, trying to weave that fine line between what we think we're able to do with a measure of faith, what we think our church is able to give with a measure of faith, and what we need in order to accomplish the work of ministry. That was our budget as best as we could discern what God wanted for us as a church. God obviously thought differently. He obviously has more in store for us to do, more ministry for us to accomplish, more opportunities to seize, more steps of faith to take. He obviously has way more in mind for us. For instance, who knows what our school, Coram Deo Academy, is going to require in the upcoming year and years, especially as we anticipate receiving ESA funds this fall, education savings accounts for school choice. I mean, who knows how many students will come? Who knows what our facility needs will be? And who knows what ministry God has in mind for our church? Who knows how many missionaries he's going to raise up and who need to be supported? Who knows how many church planters he's going to bring our way to send out and plant? Who knows what organizations he wants us to help or what crises will arise around the corner and the bend of the road that we have no idea are coming? Our tithes should never be given based on need, ever, because only God knows the real need. Only God. Third, third common objection, tithing doesn't apply to us. I can't afford it. The church doesn't need it. And if those two don't get us out from the obedience that God requires, maybe this one will. Tithing doesn't apply to us. If only Hao Ming knew that. Maybe you don't know that name. I didn't know that name until literally a week and a half ago. Hao Ming is a Chinese church leader right now as we speak in China. He's a Chinese church leader facing 10 years in prison for teaching tithing. Charged, catch this, charged with fraud because as one outlet reports, he believes the tithe conforms to the fundamental teaching of the Holy Bible and he won't compromise his loyalty to God. If only he knew it doesn't really apply. He could be out of prison just like that, go on with his life. It's an objection that's usually based on a faulty understanding of the Old Testament law. I think it stems from a heart of some of the other things that I mentioned earlier, an all-consuming lifestyle, greed, unwillingness, et cetera, et cetera. But at its face value, on face value, this objection, 
usually is based on a faulty understanding of the Old Testament law, saying that it doesn't apply to us. That because tithing is part of the law and the law no longer applies, tithing no longer applies. Except that the law does still apply. True. Not in the particulars and specific consequences, as you've heard me teach time and time again, but in the principles, the heart of the law, the heart behind the law. They still apply in that sense. After all, Jesus said in Luke 16, 17, it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Void, implying that it still applies somehow. And Romans 15, 4 says, whatever was written in former days, this is the Apostle Paul on this side of the cross saying whatever was written in former days on the previous side of the cross, the Old Testament times, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction and written for our sake, 1 Corinthians 9. And then goes on to apply there in 1 Corinthians 9, apply an Old Testament law about oxes and shouldn't, shouldn't be muzzled while they're treading out the grain. He goes on to apply that to a New Testament setting of saying, don't withhold pay from a pastor and a spiritual leader. He actually applies an Old Testament law in principle, not the specifics and the consequences, but the principle and so, both by principle and by example, we see in the New Testament that the law does still apply. It's no longer, don't get me wrong, it's no longer the means to be justified before God, but it's still part of the standard to live for God. It's not the way to life, but a guideline for life. It still applies, including the tithe. Plus, Jesus himself affirmed the tithe. Jesus himself. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and tiny herbs and seeds, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done the big things without neglecting the others, the smaller things, like tithing. We're to observe all of God's standards in the law, from justice and mercy to faithfulness and tithing. It does apply to us. The objection doesn't stand. And then last is the objection that the New Testament says it's up to us. We don't have to give a tithe. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Boom, there it is. Except Paul isn't talking about tithing in 2 Corinthians 9. Oops. He's talking about a special offering that he was traveling around collecting to help the church in Jerusalem at the time, to help the saints in Jerusalem, an offering over and above the tithe. So you can't make tithing discretionary based on that verse. It's not up to us. The command remains. And it's clear. Give 10% of your income to the local church. Not as a duty of drudgery, but delight. Not as a means of getting, but providing. A way to join God in his work and participate in his kingdom to the fullest extent possible. 
four answers to four objections. And if you need more, per my comments earlier, if you need more on all this, check out our website under Current Issues. Just a snapshot of the particular page. You can go to Resources, Current Issues, scroll down to Tithing, and you'll find several things that I've written over the course of the years, several articles to help you with all this and to give even more detail than I have time for right now. And then last, before we close, let me commend some principles about how to start tithing. How to start tithing. Because hear me on this, hear me, this is going to sound crazy. One of the worst things you can possibly do is just start. Uh, I know, I know. It's one of the worst things you can possibly do. If you've never been tithing, or if you've been giving something less than a tithe, one of the worst things you can do is just start cold turkey. I mean, there might be a few of you who can and should do, th do that, a few of you who are ready, but most people need to pray. Five steps here. Most people need to pray. That's step number one. Not, not pray as to whether you should do it or not, whether you should tithe or not. No, the Bible's clear on that. But praying for the faith to do it and the contentment that you're going to need. Pray for faith to believe God's promises of provision and protection. Pray for faith to actually believe that he will open the storehouses of heaven with its infinite, infinite, vast measure and will pour down for you so much that you have no more need. Pray for faith to believe that before you start. And, and pray for contentment to live on less because the vast majority of us, that's the case. It's crucial. Pray for faith and pray for contentment. Second, count the cost. Before you start tithing, count the cost. Look at your budget and see what you're going to have to give up. I mean, if you can write a check without concern for your budget, great. Praise the Lord for that. But most can't. Can't. So make sure you count the cost beforehand. Jesus spoke to it clearly in the Gospels. Quantify the sacrifice so that you know what you're getting into as much as possible. At least in terms of the sacrifice, you have no idea what you're getting into in terms of the blessing. So good. Third, make a commitment. Make a commitment. A commitment, that is, to stick with it. Because you're going to be stretched. You're going to be tested. Tested by the Lord. Tested by Satan. Tested by your flesh. Tested by the world. You are going to be tested. So make sure that you make a commitment. Because short of a commitment that you bathe in prayer, it won't last. You'll be a flash in the pan. Don't be a flash in the pan. Be a fire on the altar. As Pastor Robbie talked about last week, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Fourth, manage your expectations. Pray, count the cost, make a commitment, and manage your expectations. Listen, his provision and protection are sure and certain. 
sure and certain, as clear as the words on the page in black and white. They are. But he may not provide that provision and give you that protection in the way that you want or in the timing that you think is right. He may not. And so it's of the utmost importance that you manage your expectations. Unmanaged expectations will kill you. They will. Manage your expectations as to how the Lord will provide and protect and trust him fully in it, whether it's at the 11th hour or the first hour of your need. And then last, get involved. Pray, count the cost, make a commitment, manage your expectations, and get involved. Get involved in the work of ministry around here. Like serve on a Sunday morning service team. Help in Coromdale kids. Uh, be a, a student ministry leader. Get involved by serving and get involved by joining a discipleship group, both and two sides of the same coin. A discipleship group. Get involved from small groups to men's ministry, freedom groups to women's ministry. Get involved. That way, your heart will be where your treasure is to the fullest extent possible. And you won't be just giving to something forensically that's far from you that you have nothing to do with, but you will be giving to something of which you are an integral part of and something of which you are benefiting from to the greatest degree possible. Get involved. Five steps to overcome your objections and start tithing. Five steps. Five steps to honor God. Join him in his work and reap the blessing. Let's pray. Oh, Father, help us in this. Help us in this. Help us to believe you, trust you, and obey you. Oh, trust and obey. God, break down walls. I can only imagine the the walls, the objections, the skepticism, the refusal, the rebellion in some hearts. Oh God, would you break through and break down? Would you stir hearts? Father, will you grant faith? Will you generate obedience? Will you fortify commitments even now? And most certainly, God, will you affirm faithfulness? Affirm that in those who already tithe. And by all of these things, in all of these ways, and so many more, God, because your ways are so far higher than our ways, we pray that you would do more than we could ask or imagine. Oh, Lord, what might you require of us? Do more. Whatever the cost to us. Whatever the sacrifice, do more than we could ask or imagine. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.